proclaiming my promise, Pastor, promise to me. Hallelujah. All right, we are going to turn to uh, a book of the Bible that uh, uh, perhaps there's not a whole lot of preaching that's done out of this book, but there's something here that uh, has caught my attention, and I feel, I feel that God would be pleased for me to talk to you about this tonight. The book of Ezra. The book of Ezra. We're going to go to chapter 10 of Ezra. Well, hallelujah. Ezra chapter 10. I love that sound. Did you hear what I heard? Pages. Pages rustling. I love that sound. Amen. Praise God. Ezra chapter 10 and verse number 1. Now when Ezra had prayed and when he had confessed, weeping and casting himself down before the house of God, there assembled unto him out of Israel a very great congregation of men and women and children. For the people wept very sore. And Shechaniah, the son of Jehiel, one of the sons of Elam, answered and said unto Ezra, We have trespassed against our God and have taken strange wives of the people of the land. Yet now there is hope in Israel concerning this thing. Now therefore let us make a covenant with our God to put away all the wives and such as are born of them, according to the counsel of my Lord, and of those that tremble at the commandment of our God, and let it be done according to the law. Arise, for this matter belongeth unto thee. We also will be with thee. Be of good courage and do it. Be of good courage and do it. Well, hallelujah. And I want to preach to you from that last statement that is made. Uh, you know, I think it was back in the, I don't even know, the 90s maybe, that the Nike Corporation came up with an advertising uh, slogan, just do it. Just do it. That's what I want to preach to you about tonight. Just do it. Just do it. Well, hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Let's put our Bibles down. Let's ask the Lord to help us tonight, can we? Everybody, let's talk to the Lord Jesus. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship him together, everybody, let's worship God. 
Let's worship God. Let's worship God. Hallelujah. 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 I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated without taking a lot of time uh, to introduce this thought tonight and to give you background. I would just uh, make mention of this fact for those who don't know that the book of Ezra is all about the children of Israel coming back into the land of promise after they have been carried away captive. Uh, they have spent their time in Babylon, but they have come back to a wasted and destroyed city, and they are determined to rebuild it. They have come back to have a revival. Are you going to help me tonight? How about the rest of you? Are you going to help me tonight? They have come back out of a time of slavery and bondage and difficulty. It was not an easy journey for them to get back to the city of Jerusalem and back to the land of Israel. But they came back and they came back with a purpose. We're not just going back just so we can be there and say we're there. But we're going back to restore everything that's been taken away from us. To rebuild everything that has been destroyed. We have got a job to do. We're not just going home so we can make up a big population. We're going back to make Jerusalem bigger and better than it's ever been. We're going to have a revival when we get there. And so they go back. And they're struggling. And they're fighting. And they're, they're going through all kinds of problems. But Ezra, Ezra, the scribe, the one who studied the scriptures... Ezra came and began to realize we got a problem. God's not blessing us like we need him to bless us. And the, the reason is because there's sin in the camp. There's a problem in our midst. He said, I'm looking around at so many of you and you have taken strange wives. Now, don't misunderstand. <clears throat> I have seen some strange wives. And I've seen some strange husbands. But that's not what he's talking about. You understand that the Jews, according to the law, were only allowed to marry another Jew. But these Jews had taken it on themselves to violate the law of God and to marry women that were not Jews. Now they'd married them. They had children by them. But Ezra stood with the scripture and he said, we got a problem. God's not pleased with this. We got to do something about it. Now, you understand what's involved here. You understand what he is saying to them. You've done this thing in violation of God's word, and we got to fix it. It's not enough to just say, oh, God, I'm sorry. We got to fix it. There's got to be a change. Something's going to have to happen. Well, look, if the problem is you're married to somebody you're not supposed to be married to. I don't want to get into the, all the ramifications of this, and I'm not going to deal with divorce and remarriage. I'm not, I'm not going there tonight, all right? I'm just trying to, to, to make a point here. But, but the, the issue was, if they were going to rectify this situation, 
there was only one solution. They had to put away these strange wives. They had to literally divorce these women and send them and their children away. That's, um, that's asking a bit much. Hello? Boy, it got quiet. Don't, don't worry. I'm not going to tell you to go divorce your wife, all right? Oh, maybe that's what some of you are hoping for. I don't know. I, uh, but this was the answer for the Jews in their day under the law. This was the only way they could fix the problem. They had to put their wives away. That meant getting rid of their own children. And the preacher stood up and said, this is what has to happen. Well, the congregation started talking to him about it. Let's, let's reason this thing out now. And here's what they said in verses 12 and 13. In fact, if you'd like to, you can just leave your Bible open to Ezra 10. took you long enough to find it. <laughs> Might as well leave it there for a little while. Make good use of the effort. Praise God. All right, so... Ezra 10 verse 12. I got I to gotta back off. My voice is going already. I'm not quite. I said short-winded, but not that short. All right. So verse 12. Read. Then all the congregation answered and said with a loud voice, As thou hast said, so must we do. But the people are now, many. Now, 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 hang on. If they had stopped at verse 12, everything would have been great. That would have been wonderful. Look, whatever you said, preacher, we're going to do it. Just consider, look, you said it, you preached it, we know that's right. Then the next verse says, But the people but, are many. Hang on. Do I? Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. Now, now look, here's, here's what happened. They said, oh, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. But. But the people are many. Read. And it is a time of much rain. It's a time of much rain. And we are not able to stand without. And, and we're not able to stand without. Neither is a and, work. And, and neither of one is day this a work of one day or two. For we are many. For we are many that have transgressed, transgressed in this, in this thing. thing. Now, now here's what they're saying. Preacher, yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. But please understand. Ah. This is going to be a difficult task. And furthermore, it's the rainy season. And, and we need the help right now. We need our kids. We need our wives. We, we got a lot going on here. And, 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 and you couldn't have picked a worse time to ask us to do this. Now, we want to do it. We want to do what's right. No doubt about it. But, but preacher, please understand, it, it, it's, it's going to take us a while. This is not something we can just sit down today and it be done. It's, it's going to take us a while to really get this accomplished. But Ezra did not back down from what he was instructing them to do. Ezra was determined he was going to preach the truth no matter what. It didn't matter what it cost him. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what it required. Ezra was going to stand flat-footed and tell them what was right. 
Hey, saints, we still need that kind of preaching. I'm telling you, we're living in an age, and I don't blame the saints, I blame the preachers, but we're living in an age when men don't want to tell people how to live. They don't want to tell people how to fix their lives. They just want everybody to be happy. But I'm going to tell you, real happiness comes through obedience to the word of the Lord. You're not going to be really happy until you do what God tells you to do. And Ezra was determined, I'm not backing down. I know it's difficult. But he didn't back down. Read verses 10 and 11. And Ezra the priest stood up. He stood up and he said to them, You have transgressed transgressed and have taken strange wives to increase the trespass of Israel. Now therefore, therefore, make confession unto the Lord God God of your fathers fathers and do do his his pleasure. And separate, separate yourself from the people, from of, the the people of the land. And from and for, I'm telling you, he just preached. He preached and he preached and he preached. And it didn't matter how much they didn't like it, how much they wanted to reason it away. Ezra just preached. And he told them not what they wanted to hear, but what they needed to hear. Look, if we're going to get this accomplished, we've got to have the favor of God. We're not going to be able to do it just because we would like to see it happen. We're only going to be able to do it if God smiles on us and he gives us the grace that we need. But he's not going to do that until he's pleased with what's going on in our lives. And so verse 14, read. Let now our rules of all the transgressions stand and let all them which have taken strange wives in our cities come at appointed times and with them the elders of every city and the judges thereof until the fence wrath uh, fierce wrath of God uh, for this mass until the fierce wrath of our God for this matter he turned from us. Here's what he said. He said, let the rulers stand. Let everybody that has, he didn't care who they were. He didn't care what their position was, what their title was. He said, if you've done this, I want you to stand up and we're going to deal with it because we want to get the wrath of God off of us. Now look, that's not an easy position for Ezra to be in. It's not an easy thing for him to stand up and tell people to do something that he knows full well they don't want to do. It's going to be hard to do. It's going to cost him. He doesn't want to have to do that, but he's got to do it. I'm going to tell you, he received a very direct charge. We read it. Read again, Ezra 10, verse 4. Arise. Arise. For this matter belongs This is what they said. This is what the priest said unto Ezra. They said, Get up for this matter. It's your job. Read. Unto thee, we also. Or we also will be with thee. We're going to stand behind you, preacher. We're going to stand with you while you do it. This is your job. Here's what he said. Be of good courage courage and do it. And do it. It doesn't matter what it costs, Ezra. It doesn't matter what it's going to take. You just do it. And I'm going to tell you, that was the sermon that Ezra preached to the people that day. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's going to cost you. I know it's going to be difficult for you to make these kinds of separations. But hear me, people of Israel. you got to just make up your mind whether it's difficult or not. We just got to do it. That's right. Amen. 
We just got to do it. Hallelujah. Amen. Now give me just a few moments here to develop what I'm trying to say to you. I'm telling you that too many times we are willing to only do what comes easy to us. If it's going to cost me something, if it's going to require a little sacrifice, don't ask that of me. Let me only do what's easy to do. But hear me, saints of God, if we're going to win this battle, and we are, if we're going to have victory, and we are, if we're going to have revival, and we are, something's got to happen in our minds that says, I don't care the pain, I don't care the cost, I don't care the sacrifice, I've got to just make up my mind, however hard it is, I'm just going to do it. Well, praise God. Look, Jesus, Lord, my voice is going out. Jesus, Jesus often required things of people that were difficult for them. He never promised that being a Christian would be easy. See, this is why some people never make a move to live for God. Because they want to be able to do it with ease. But being a Christian is not always easy. He never promised it would be. In fact, he said, if you want to be my disciple, you got a cross you got to take up every day. There's nothing easy about a cross. And at some point, yeah, you can sit around and say, but my friends will hate me. But my family will write me off. But so-and-so, it's going to cost me this. And it's going to, listen, at some point, if you're going to be saved, you're going to have to just plant your feet firmly on the ground and say, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I know it's going to cost me, but it's never going to get any easier. So I'm just going to do it. Hey, saints, saints, I, I, my voice will not let me. But let me tell you, even as we sit here in this service tonight, how many times have I said to you, we got to do more than just sit. We got to push. When we feel some spiritual resistance, we got to fight it. But you know what we do? We just sit there. We say amen when the preacher says it. But brother Chad, we just sit there. We get out that iron bed and we're comfortable right there. But I'm going to tell you, at some point, somebody at New Life Pentecostal Church is going to have to say, all right, I get it. I know it's going to take a lot of effort for us to break through this thing when we get to church. But I'm just going to do it. I'm tired of just sitting around and pretending we're having church when really we're not. We're just spending time. I'm going to just do it. I'm going to get in there and I'm going to give it everything I've got. Come on, I feel this tonight. Come on, church. We got to shake ourselves. It's not enough to just keep saying amen. We got to get in here and realize I want God to be pleased with what I'm giving him tonight. I want God to be pleased with the worship I present to him tonight. So I can sit around and wait for everybody else. I can hope somebody else is going to run the aisles tonight. I can hope somebody else is going to shout tonight. Or I can say, uh-uh, I'm going to do it. It's got to be done. And I'm going to do it. Look, look. Let me show you something. Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Then Verse 1. 
uh, then said he unto his disciples, It is impossible, but the offense will come. But whom, or woe unto him through whom the, they come. Okay, now, 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 now let's get the setting. Let's get the setting. Jesus said, look, guys, just get ready for it. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody's going to upset you. That's right. Yeah, I've, I've had my own little personal snickers sometimes laughing at folks. and You know, they, they call them snowflakes. They, they get offended at every little thing. They have a meltdown over every little thing that they don't like. But sometimes we can be the same way as saints. And we can walk into church with a, ship, with a, with a chip on our shoulders. And somebody may not speak to us and we walk out and say, oh, they hate me. Oh, oh, they don't like me. Jesus said, it is impossible, but that offenses will come. He said, just get ready. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings. Somebody will do it. And if that's all it takes to get you to leave the church, then hang on, honey. It's probably going to happen every service. If that's all it takes, I can promise you the devil's going to stir up somebody to say something wrong. Well, praise God. It's impossible, but that offenses will cut. Now, he said, woe to them. He said, I'm going to take care of them, church. You don't worry about it. I'll take care of them. It's going to come, but you let me handle it. That's what he said. All right, let's read. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck uh-huh. and he cast into the sea uh-huh. than that he should offend one of these little ones. Yeah, yeah. Jesus said, look, it's, it's a bad deal. These people that are out here hurting folks' feelings, that's a bad deal. It's a bad deal, all right? He's going to take care of them. You don't have to. You don't have to give them a piece of your mind. You're probably going to need every piece you got. I don't know about you. Brother Jerry, I can't, I can't speak for you, but I can tell you this. The world we're living in, I need every little peace of mind I can get. I can't afford to lose any more of mine. Well, praise God. He said, it's going to be a bad deal. You just, you just let me take care of this. I'm going to deal with them. All right, let's read. Take heed to Take yourself, to yourself. my brother trespass against now, now, here's what he said. He said, offenses will come, and I'll deal with them. But let's not worry about them. Oh, saints, I hope you're hearing me tonight. Because, see, we are so hung up on who did what to me. That we got to deal with them. Somebody's got to talk to them. Somebody's got to deal with them. But Jesus said, no, you deal with you. I'll take care of them. You deal with you. Take heed to yourselves. And here's what he said. If your brother trespass against you. If your brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. Yeah, go to him and talk, talk to him. Don't pick up the phone and call everybody else. That's right. That's right. In fact, I'm still waiting on just one brave saint to take me up on my suggestion to end gossip in the church forever. I'm just waiting on one brave saint to do it. In 22 years, I've never had one do it. I'm waiting on just one brave saint to take me up on it. 
the solution to gossip is this. The first time somebody says something about somebody else to you, you pull out your cell phone, you dial my number, and you say, here, tell the pastor what you just told me. Right. And that's the end of gossip. Because right. they're not going to tell me what they just told you. And if they know that's going to be the response, they're going to quit telling you. Do you know why gossip survives? Because there are people who listen to it. And the minute you stop listening, they quit spreading it. So he said, look, if he trespasses, rebuke him. You go to him. Let's get things straightened out between the two of us. It's nobody else's business. You and your brother or you and your sister get this thing worked out. All right. Then he said, and if he and repents, if, if he repents, forgive him. Hold it over his head for the next five years. He said, if he repents, forgive him. Right. All right. Now he's not finished driving this point home. Let's read. And if he trespasses, if he trespasses against, against thee seven times in whoa. a day. Whoa. Whoa. Seven times in one day? That's a lot, folks. That's a whole lot. Somebody offends you seven times in one day? Now, where's all my shouters? Where's everybody that agreed with me this morning when I pointed out a verse of Scripture and said, do we believe all Scripture is given by inspiration of God? Everybody, oh, yeah, that's right, Pastor, I believe that. Now, now where, where did you all go tonight? Is this scripture also inspired by God? If he trespass against thee seven times in a day, then what? And seven times in a day. And seven times in a day turn again. Turns again to thee saying, saying, I repent. I repent, then what? Thou shalt forgive him. Oh boy, I lost you, I lost you. Let's, let's go back to preaching about revival. Everybody's excited about that. I am preaching about revival. This is how we have revival. We find the favor of God. And the favor of God comes when we learn how to forgive one another. We don't hold grudges. We don't drag up things out of the past and throw it back at them every time something goes wrong. Jesus said, I don't care if it's seven times in the same day, you just forgive them. Oh, that's a tall order, Jesus. Now, this is what he told them. So what did they say to him in verse 5? And the apostle said unto the Lord... Increase our faith. <laughs> okay, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, seven times in a day. Lord, um, would you build my faith a little bit here? I'm having trouble believing I can do this. I'm having trouble believing that it's in me to be able to forgive. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm quoting what some of you have been thinking in the last couple of minutes 
I'm having trouble believing I can forgive seven times in one day. The same person, seven times. I'm having trouble believing I can do that. So, Lord, just increase my faith. I need, I need some help here. I, 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 need, I, need some, I need some faith here. Now, now, this is the way they see it. They're saying, Lord, just, if you'll just give us some more faith, um, then, you know, maybe we'll be able to get this done. And we'll, we'll put our trust in you and you'll give us some special power. Uh, you know, if we've got faith in you, then all of a sudden this great spirit of grace is going to sweep over us. And, and, and it's going to be so easy to just forgive. That's what they're saying. So Jesus responded, verse 6. No, it should be there. Yeah. And the Lord it comes said, right out to verse five. All right. And the Lord said, "If ye, if ye had the faith, now look, as a they grave, said, Lord, just give us faith. I just don't think I can do this. If you'll just give us some faith, and maybe, maybe we can trust you to do it." And Jesus said, "Wait a minute, guys." If you've got faith as a grain of mustard seed, you can say to this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root, be planted in the sea, and it's going to obey you. Right. Read. If ye had the faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye... Yeah, I read that part. Read on, verse 7. But which of you have a servant plowed or, um, or feeding cattle will say unto him by and by... When he has come from the field, go and sit down to meet. Now, isn't this interesting how all of a sudden it seems like he's changing subjects? He's really not. They said, Lord, increase our faith. And he said, uh-uh. If you've got just minuscule faith, you can do big things. He said, let's talk about something else. Let's, let's get a clear understanding here. If you've got a servant that's been plowing or feeding cattle and, and eventually you say to him when he's coming from the field, go sit down to eat. Verse 8. And will not rather say unto him, make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, uh, drunken. And afterward thou shalt eat and drink. <laughs> Please get what Jesus is saying. If you have a servant and he's been out working in the field for you all day long, do you call that servant in and say, okay, you've worked long enough, you go eat? Or do you say, all right, now that you're done in the field, go fix me some supper? I mean, he's a servant. Right? So read. Verse 9. Doth he think that servant because... Uh, he did the things that would Does he say, oh, thank him. you so much. Thank you so much for being out there plowing. Thank you so much for feeding the cattle. No, it's a servant. That's what he's getting paid to do. I trow not, or I think not. All right, what else? So likewise ye. So likewise ye. When ye shall when have, you done have done all, all these those things, things which that are, are commanded, commanded you. Say. We are unprofitable, unprofitable servants. servants. We have done, done which what's was our, our duty to do. Our duty to do. Now look, here's what he's saying to them. He said, I want you to be willing to forgive seven times in a day if necessary. And they said, oh Lord, increase our faith. He said, uh-uh. You've got enough faith already. This is not a matter of increasing your faith. It's a matter of just do it. You don't need more faith to forgive somebody. Just do it you got to be willing to just do it. 
That's the problem. We'd rather sit around and lick our wounds. We'd rather feel sorry for ourselves. We'd rather have a pity party. We'd rather get a bunch of people on our side. But Jesus said, no, forget all that. I'm giving you a commandment. Now just do it. Listen, church, I'm not up here preaching to you about forgiveness. That's not the point. If you think that's the point, you're missing everything I'm telling you. Yes, that's necessary. My point is this. Whatever God asks of us, it doesn't matter how hard. It doesn't matter how much problem it causes. It doesn't matter what it costs us. If God asks us to do it, let's make up our minds. We're just going to do it. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care what it involves. I don't care what it requires. I'm telling you, and, and listen, I'm not patting myself on the back. But Brother White made a comment the other night to his church. Uh, he said something that he appreciated so much. The sacrifice that I make in, in giving him my time to go to Africa and stay on top of this. And, and, and I'm, again, I'm not patting myself on the back. But honestly, the thought crossed my mind, what sacrifice? I don't see this as a sacrifice, Brother Thompson. When I'm working for God and he's blessing my efforts and people are being converted and souls are being saved and churches are being changed, where is the sacrifice? No, no, no. If God wants me to do it, I'll do it. Now look, I'm trying my best to pace myself. I'm trying to only go four times a year. But you hear me, church. If God spoke to me tonight and said, I want you to make six trips this year, you better believe. I don't know how I'd do it. I don't know how my body would hold up. But you hear me. If he said it, I'd do it. Because that's the attitude we've got to have. You're the master. I'm the servant. I may have been out plowing all day. I may have been out feeding the cattle all day. But if you want me to fix a meal, then Lord, I'm going to do exactly what you tell me to do. Well, hallelujah. All right, church, let's bring it down to where we live because I'm, I'm, I'm quickly going to come to a close, believe it or not. But look, I've asked you, I've asked you to sign this sheet to pray and to fast. I've told you, this is our job. This work in Africa is not mine alone. God didn't just pick me. He picked New Life Pentecostal Church. This is our work. This is our mission field. I know it's going to cost us. I know it's going to be difficult to get up in the middle of the night I know it's going to be difficult to fast for several days over the next two weeks. I know it's going to be hard. I know there are going to have to be times you're going to give money when you don't think you've got the money to give. But this is what God's asking us to do. And we can sit around and reason it out. And we can sit around and debate it. And we can talk about how I just can't do it. Oh, we can say, all right, Lord. You told your disciples to forgive seven times in a day. That's hard. But it's not impossible. That's, look, we got to distinguish between the difficult and the impossible. God may ask us to do things that are difficult, but he never asks us to do what is impossible. Oh, I just can't forgive them, preacher. I can't. Oh, yes, you can. You just don't want to. Oh, I just can't worship tonight. Yes, you can. You just don't want to. 
Oh, I can't live for God anymore. Yes, you can. You just don't want to. I'm telling you, you can do it if you make up your mind. God will help you, but you've got to make the decision. I'm just going to do it. I don't care who laughs at me. I don't care who makes fun of me. I don't care who opposes me. I don't care who questions me. I don't care who lies on me. I don't care what happens. I know what God wants and I'm going to do it. Come on church. God didn't call us to only do what's easy to us. I'll say that again. He didn't call us to only do what's easy to us. He didn't call us to only do what we can feel comfortable doing. He never called us to stay within our comfort zones. If we want more than what we have, then we're going to have to do more and give more and pray more. All right, all right, all right. I'm losing some of you. I'm losing some of you. I'm losing some of you. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus said this has nothing to do with the quantity of your faith. It has everything to do with your willingness. And we just got to be willing to say, yes, Lord. My soul says yes. My soul says yes. You know what we are? You know, you know what? Years ago, years ago. Now, I don't, I don't, I don't defend everything the man says and does and not even close to it and, and most of his more recent stuff is so off color that I, I wouldn't even try to listen to it but years and years ago way back in the stone ages uh, when I was a child Bill Cosby had a routine about Noah and he said he had this conversation going on between God and Noah and he's He's here on the boat and God speaks from heaven. And he said, Noah, look at those two hippos. You got two males. One of them supposed to be a female. Take one of those males out and go get a female. And Noah says to God, he said, now, Lord, wait a minute. Hang on. Do you know how hard it is? to turn a hippo around inside this little boat. Do you know how much trouble it is for me to, to get this hippo back in, and, 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 and get one of them out there and go find another one and make sure it's a female and, and, and bring it back? And God, do you know how difficult this is going to be? And finally he says, God, why don't you just change one of them? And God responded by saying, Noah, how long can you tread water? Look, I'm telling you, saints, this is the way we do things sometimes. We want God to perform some miracle. We want God to do something that he's waiting on us to do. I want revival. I want to see the church full. Well, when's the last time you invited somebody? We're going to sit around and pray, God, send souls, send souls, send souls, send souls. Come on, God, perform a miracle. Come on, God, fill the house. And God's saying, how long can you tread water? God's saying, do you really want to see this happen or don't you? Don't sit around and wait on me to do what you need to be doing. 
Come on, when the opportunity provides itself, then you get out there. You talk to somebody. I'm not just talking about organized outreach. I'm telling you, you shall be witnesses unto me. That's your life. That's 24-7. That's everywhere you go. In Walmart, in McDonald's, at the, at the gas station. Wherever you go, it's a witness. It's a witness. I've got to tell somebody. I've got to find somebody. We say, God send them, God send them, God send them. And God saying, you go get them. Well... Saints, look, I'm trying to help us here tonight. I'm trying to tell you there is a great and effectual door that yet remains open for this church, but we've got a job to do. God's not going to do it just because we keep preaching about revival and we keep praying for revival. But I'll tell you what is going to happen is when we start doing what God's told us to do. Oh, hallelujah. I got to preaching to those preachers in Africa about reading their Bibles. And, and I'm talking about the leaders now. I'm talking about the ones we've already converted. And uh, uh, I, think, I think, Josh, I think you were there when this happened. You were, I think you were in the class and they said, well, but you know, honestly, you get over there and, and, and you get to reading all those begats and, and, and you know, it's just, it's, you know, how, how do we just keep reading when, when it's just, honestly, it's so boring? Were you in there when they asked that question? He, how do you just keep reading when it's that boring? I said, you just do it. It doesn't matter how boring you think it is. You just do it. And you know what I found? Ever so often, God sticks some little beautiful nugget right in the middle of the begats. There's some little something down in there that you weren't expecting. God just throws it in to make sure you're still paying attention. Oh, hallelujah. You know, years ago, there was a book that, that was written, went to the bestseller list that was taken out of the begats. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. Anybody ever heard of that book? About three of you? I think some more of you have. That, that, book, that book was based on a couple of scriptures that are right in the middle of all the begats. I'm telling you, church, I'm te there are times you just have to do it. It's a drudgery. You, you're not feeling the Holy Ghost. I mean, there are times. There are times, Brother Nelson, I pick up my Bible, and I start reading, and the tears will flow. And I mean, the glory of God just meets with me. And I'm saying, oh, God, this is beautiful. I love what I'm reading. But there's times. And uh-huh, beget, uh-huh. And so-and-so beget, yeah. However you pronounce that, we got somebody else. And, and, or, you know, take, take this board and put it here and put this on top of it and cover this. And, you know, oh, yeah, right. Okay, all right, all right. And you know what you do? You just keep doing it. Listen, saints. This is the tragedy of the hour in which we live that we think everything we do has to be enjoyable. We've got to be entertained or we're not happy. I'm telling you the truth. 
Everything's got to be enjoyable or we're just not happy. If I'm not enjoying what I'm doing, I just can't do it anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you, there's going to be a whole lot of living for God that's really not going to be enjoyable in this life. But you got to keep doing it. You just got to keep doing it. You just got to keep doing it. Well, I'm not feeling what I want to feel when I get to church. You want to know how to deal with that? You just keep coming to church. I'm not getting the answers I want when I get there. Well, you want to know how to deal with that? You just keep coming to church. You don't just quit because you're not getting your way and everything's not the way you want it to be. I'm telling you, if we're going to win, we got to make up our mind whether it's enjoyable or not. I'm just going to do it. Whether I like it or not, I'm just going to do it. Whether it pleases me or not, I'm just going to do it. How much do you think he enjoyed Calvary? How much do you think he enjoyed the whip? How much do you think he enjoyed them spitting in his face? But he said, I'm going to do it because I want them to be saved. And I'm saying, Jesus, whatever you ask of me, I don't care the price. I don't care the cost. I'm just going to do it. I got to quit. I got to quit or I'm going to make myself into one of them lying preachers. I got to quit. But we really do. Too many times we want God to give us some miracle or do something, give us some special blessing just to keep us doing what we need to be doing. And there's times God's just not going to do that. There's times he wants you to just keep walking. Just keep being faithful. You may not be enjoying it. You may have to kick yourself out of bed in the morning. You may have to make yourself pray. There may be times you don't want to be at church any more than anything, but you, you just make yourself come. You don't feel like worshiping, but you just make yourself worship. David gets out there and the men that loved him, the men that revered him, the men that respected him, the men that were following him wanted to kill him. And he could have just thrown in the towel and said, forget it. But he encouraged himself in the Lord. You know what he was saying? All right, guys, that's the way you feel. That's your business. But as for me, I'm just going to do it. I don't have a choice. I'm just going to do it. I don't like it. I'm not happy about it, but I'm just going to do it. And I'm telling you, when we get that kind of mindset, that's when God starts giving us back Ziklag. That's when God starts restoring things that we've lost because we've got the mindset, I'm just going to do it. My family may not understand it. My family, listen, I'm going to tell you something. At some point, every person that lives for God is going to have to make a decision. Who is more important, God or your family? Everybody is going to have to make that decision at some point. And you're going to have to decide. It may upset them, but I'm just going to do what's right. Oh, I lost about half of you on that one. But it's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. It's the truth. See, we, now I read a story years ago. I tried to check it out tonight before I came to the pulpit. And I guess all these years. I'd read that story and thought it was really something. 
And I guess from what I read tonight, I guess it's not even true. But it's a nice story. <laughs> kind of, we'll use it as a parable. Is that all right? I'm not telling you it's the truth. I, I, I'm telling you that evidently it's not the truth, but there's a little bit of truth in it. And folks kind of evidently exaggerated some of the facts. And, and it just kind of circulated and became a kind of a legend, a myth, based on a real individual who really did do something very strange and out of the ordinary for his time period. Uh, but it wasn't quite, evidently, it wasn't quite the way I read it years ago. I don't know. But anyhow, it makes a point. There were times when Jesus told parables that were stories he made up to drive home a point. And then there were other times he used stories when he called names like there was a certain beggar named Lazarus. I don't believe that's a parable. There's no parable he ever used where he called a name. So this is a parable, all right? But I read about a man many, many years ago. His name was Jeremy Bentham. He lived in London. He was an extremely wealthy man, evidently very eccentric, had a lot of, of very unique ideas for his time period, and a lot of people thought him to be very strange. The story that I read claimed that he made out a will. He sat on the board of directors for a hospital in London, and uh, the story was that he made out a very strange will. His will was that he would leave all of his money to the hospital in London with one stipulation. He had to be present at every board meeting. Now, this is his will. This means after he dies. You follow me? If you're going to get this money, then i got to be present at every board meeting. Now, now, what I did, evidently he did have some kind, he had, had a friend that was some kind of doctor and scientist, and they did some kind of, of preservation to his body, and even today you actually can go see his body is on display, evidently in that, in that uh, hospital or parts of his body. It's, it's kind of a weird story. But anyhow, um, but the story that I read many years ago was that what happened because of this will, the hospital obviously wanted the money. So every month when it was time for a board meeting, they wheeled his remains into the head of the table of the boardroom. And they had their board meeting with his remains there. And the story said that every month the secretary would record in the minutes of the meeting, Mr. Jeremy Bentham, present but not voting. You know, here's what I thought about in all that. I'm afraid that's the way too many people want to be about their walk with God. I'm present, but I'm not voting. I'm here in this service tonight, but don't count on me to do anything. You just kind of wheeled me in. I'm just, you know, I'm just lifeless. I'm just here, but I'm here. Just be glad I'm here, but I'm not doing anything. I'm not contributing to the vote. I'm not helping carry on business. I'm just here. And you know, the thing about it is, had that been true, somebody would have had to make that effort to bring that corpse in all the time and carry it back out and put it where it needed to be. 
it's going to require a whole lot of effort just so his body could be present. Well, I'm saying, saints of God, if we're not careful, that is our attitude when we come to church. We're present, but we're not voting. You know what needs to happen? We need to cast our vote. From the moment we walk through the doors, we ought to be casting our vote. I vote for good church tonight. I vote for Holy Ghost Church tonight. And you know how you vote? You vote by participating. You vote by worshiping. You vote by clapping your hands. You vote by stomping your feet. You, you vote by shouting hallelujah. I'm not sitting around waiting for the rest of the board to take action. I'm here to do business tonight. I've come to have church. We're going to do it, Brother Thompson. We're going to have revival. We're going to build a new church. We're going to fill this place up. But it's not going to happen by just sitting back and talking about it. Somebody's going to say, I'm going to do it. All right, all right. Becca, come. I, if I preach any longer, I'm going to be telling a fib, and I don't want to do that. I do have one more verse that I want to read tonight. And I want to tell you, the contents of this verse ought to be the cry of the heart of every child of God. This ought to be the way we feel. Isaiah chapter 6. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Mm. Then said mm. I. God ask a question. There's a work to be done. There's a job to be accomplished. Whom shall I send? Who's going to go? You know, in talking to Elder White, I, I, church, I cannot tell you how, how much this past week helped me in so many ways. Because it's just a unique experience to have another man who is pastoring and is overseeing a mission work. That's just not a normal thing. And so there are very few men that really understand what I'm dealing with and what I'm going through. And so it really was such a blessing to me to be able to spend some time with him and, and, and us talk about this together. And for me to realize that the things that I'm facing is not just because of me. One of the challenges I've got every time I go to Africa is finding men willing to go with me. Now, I'm just telling you the truth. I've got good friends, men I highly respect, men that I dearly love, who have told me point blank, I'll help you go, but I'm not going. I've talked to a lot of people. They said, I'm happy to just work right here. I don't have any desire to go to another country. Well, that's fine. If, if, if that's okay between you and God, then that's not my business. I really, I worried that it was me. Brother White told me he has the same problem. And it's much cheaper for people to go with him than it is for people to go with me. And he can't get folks to go sometimes. But this, this attitude of Isaiah ought to be the attitude of every child of God. If there's a work to be done and you need somebody to do it, here am I. 
Here am I. Talking to Brother White about all the places God has sent me through the years and all the situations I've had to deal with and where I came from before I got here and the problems that we've faced and the battles that we've fought and some of the other situations through the years. And he said, man, you must be tough. I said, I don't think it's that I'm tough. I said, for one thing, I think God's trying to knock some stuff out of me. So he sends me to all these places and lets me get beat around a little bit. But I want to tell you what it really is. I'm sure there is some of that. God's always molding every one of us. But I want to tell you what it really is. It's this, that anytime God says, who's willing, he can count on me raising my hand. It's not about whether I'm qualified or not because I understand many of the qualified are not willing. Saints, that same thing is true not just of the ministry. It's true of saints of God. There may be people on these pews that would do better at witnessing, that would do better at teaching Sunday school, that would do better at whatever it is that needs to be done. But if they're not willing to say yes, it doesn't matter how qualified they are. God's looking for the willing. He's looking for the willing. And he'll make up the deficiencies if we'll just be willing. Isaiah didn't say, now God, I can't offer much. God, I, you know, I'm not that great of a speaker. And I, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't raised in a prophet's home. And I, I don't really know how to do this job. And I, you know, I, I know there's other men. And there were, there were other prophets alive during Isaiah's day. And he could have said, Lord, you got them and them, and I could never be what they are. And, I can, and he could have whined and cried and carried on. But he didn't do any of that. And it wasn't because he was arrogant. He just realized heaven has a need. And I may not be the best one suited for it, but I want you to know this, God. I'm willing. Here am I. Send me. Now, he didn't say I'm going regardless. But he did say, God, I am willing. If you want somebody, I'm sure you can find more capable. But God, this much I know. I will never tell you no. I will say yes, whatever you ask. Let's stand tonight. I, I'm trying to close. God doesn't ask us to do what's easy and what's convenient. He asks us to do what needs to be done. Hallelujah. I'll never forget years ago involved in a home missions work. We had scraped together everything we had to go to my home church Helped my pastor celebrate his pastoral anniversary. We didn't have much of anything, Brother Thompson. We didn't have much of anything. It had taken everything I had to get to that conference, pay for our motel, and be able to provide a few 
bites to eat while we were there, but I wanted to honor the man of God in my life. So we get down to the night of service, and they get up, and they start honoring him, and they said, we need, we need to give this man a good offering. And I said, who in here would give $100? I looked in my billfold, and that's all I had. I had $100, and that was it. I was two months behind on my house note. I'm just telling you the truth. I was two months behind on my house note. I had nothing. And they said, somebody needs to give $100 to this preacher. And so I stood up and said, I will. I gave that night the last bit of money I had not even able to pay my house note. The next day, we're sitting in service during the day. Brother Wayne McLean comes in and sits down beside me and service is going on and we had a good move of God and, and I was just worshiping God. I just, I wasn't feeling sorry for myself. I wasn't complaining. I wasn't whining. I was just worshiping God. I just loving God. I didn't care. If that's what God wanted from me, I, I just gave it to him. I just said, yes, Lord, it doesn't matter. I give it. And so I'm in church, and I'm enjoying the blessings of God. I, I figure I'll deal with my problems when I get home. But I'm going to enjoy the meeting while I'm here. And I'll let God help me figure everything out once I get back. But we're sitting there in service, and great, great move of God and the Holy Ghost is moving and we're standing up in our pews and I'm just worshiping God and I'm just loving God. I hadn't said a word to anybody. Nobody but my wife knew what I had done the night before. And I'm just worshiping God with everything I've got. And Brother McLean, I'll never forget it. He just kind of scooted over closer to me and put his arm around me and and I looked up, and I looked at him, and he was looking at me. He had, he had the most piercing eyes you've ever seen. I'm telling you, those eyes, when they fastened on you, you just knew he saw every bit of cholesterol. Every, he, just, he saw everything that was inside you. You just knew it. He just had a way, and he fastened those eyes on me. And he said, how much do you need? I said, what do you mean? He said, you know exactly what I mean. How much do you need? I said, well, Brother McClellan, he said, no. Will $1,000 take care of need? My house note was almost $500. I was two months behind. You can figure it up for yourself. I gave my last 100 and the next day God gave me 1000 now look, he doesn't always do it that way. Sometimes he doesn't reward us with money. Sometimes he rewards us with protection or health. Other things that he does for us. But I'm just telling you this. It has always been my determination that if you're looking for somebody, God, I'm going to give it my best. I'm calling 
on some saints of God tonight to make up in your mind. Look, I'm going to be gone from now for the next 10 or 11 days, whatever it is. 13 days, I, I don't know, it's not two weeks, so about 11 days, I think, that I'm going to be gone, 12 days. And church, we know. We know what happens when the pastor's gone, don't we? We know service drags. And I'm calling on the saints of God. It doesn't have to be that way. Well, thank you to the three of you who agree. It doesn't have to be that way. I'm telling you, without me here, you can have phenomenal church. I'm not the one that causes the spirit to move anyhow. You want to know what the difference is? It's not my absence. It's your attitude. I'm telling you that beginning this Tuesday night, you can walk in here and say, look, we've got a job to do. We're going to have good church tonight. We're going to back the preacher. We're going to get behind Brother Thompson. We're going to give it everything we've got. We're going to have good church tonight. And we're going to walk in here on Sunday morning next week. Brother Jared Hilton here. But I'm going to tell you, we're not going to let him struggle behind this pulpit. We're going to make up our mind. There's a job to do. Oh, there's going to be spirits fighting us. The devil's going to hit us with everything he's got. You just get ready this week. It'll be a battle, I promise you. But somebody's got to make up their mind. I'm going to walk through it. There may be a minefield in front of me, but I'm going to walk through it. When I get back to church, it's my sanctuary. And I'm going to give God everything I've got. I'm not going to lose any momentum. I'm not going to drop the ball. I'm going to give this every ounce of my effort because that's what God wants from me. Oh, I'm not worthy. I'm not. Forget all that. He's saying, who can I send? Who will go? Who will do it? He's just looking for somebody to say, I will. I will, Jesus, I will, I'm ready, I'm willing, I'll go, I'll go, I'll go, whatever you want, Jesus, I'll do it. I may make mistakes, I, I, may, I may flub up, I, I may slip a little bit, but I do want you to know this, Lord, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing, I'm willing. Let's lift our hands. Come on, can you pray that prayer tonight? Can you pray that prayer tonight? Can you pray that prayer tonight? Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. Here am I, Lord. You looking for somebody? Are you looking for somebody, Jesus? Is there an opening in your kingdom, Lord? Please accept my application. I may not have the best resume, but I'll tell you one thing, I'm willing. I'm willing. I'm willing. You need somebody to get up in the night to pray. I'm sure there are others that can pray better than I can, but Lord, I'm willing.
You need somebody to fast? Lord, it's difficult. I have such a hard time with it. I had a lady tell me one time, said, I can't fast, Pastor. I said, why? She said, because I get irritable and I get headaches. I said, welcome to the club. That's what fasting does to us. Hallelujah. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Because God needs somebody to do it. Look, I don't understand why, but the great God of heaven designed his kingdom in such a way that if anything's going to be accomplished, it's going to be accomplished at the hands of men and women. As fallible as we are, as frail as we are, this is just the way he designed it. And so quit talking about why you can't. And just do it. I'll be what you want me to be. I'll say yes. Lord, I agree. My desire. Oh, Jesus. Play it, play it, play it. These altars are open tonight. These altars are open. Is there anybody that's willing to come?